0: and welcome back to the word encounter episode 134 where we will continue on in isaiah chapter 51 and just as a reminder isaiah is a prophet or oracle of the lord and in um, the book of isaiah uh, most of it isaiah is prophesying to the israelites and those from judah um, around uh, 700 bc somewhere in that vicinity and he's prophesying about things to come either in the near term, if you will, with regard to it being about 170 years out uh, to the exiles uh, in Babylon from Judah, uh, which occurs about, you know, 530 some odd BC, or Uh, He prophesies out into the time of Jesus, which is about 7, 750 years uh, from when he's prophesying, or he's prophesying out to those of us in these days, which is roughly almost 3,000 years later. And so his prophecies are set in several different time periods. And uh, I try to point it out as we're going through, but sometimes I may forget And with that, oh, one more thing, I remember uh, before we started Isaiah, I said that uh, uh, two books kind of confound me. One was the book of Isaiah, the other is the book of Revelations, and I was actually thinking of the book of Daniel, not Isaiah. <laughs> and so it's Daniel that sometimes I get into reading, and it's like, uh, what is it saying? And so um, anyway, with that, let's continue. Uh, Pick it up in uh, chapter 51, and we're going to drop down to verse 6. And the title here says, uh, Salvation for Zion. And so as we go to verse 6 and pick it up, it says, Look, look up to the heavens and look at the earth beneath. For the heavens will vanish like smoke, the earth will wear out like a garment, and its inhabitants will die like gnats but my salvation will last forever and my righteousness will never be shattered, says the Lord. And so these words of encouragement are important um, uh, to the people or will be important to the people uh, that are in exile and under the rule of the Babylonians because they will have something to look forward to and realize that the Lord has not abandoned them. And so in verse 7 it says, listen to me, you who know righteousness, the people in whose hearts uh, in whose heart is my instruction? Do not fear disgrace by men, and do not be shattered by their taunts. In other words, don't be afraid of man. In verse eight, for moths will de- for moths will devour them uh, like garment, and worms will eat them like wool. <laughs> so the Lord is saying, don't be afraid of don't be afraid of man. And it says, but my righteousness will last forever, and my salvation for all generations. See? And so he's saying, you know, man can't do anything to you that I can't resolve. Don't be afraid of man. You know, even and including up to physical death. Now that's hard to that's hard to fathom. <clears throat> and you can only believe in that if you believe that there is life after death. If you don't believe that there's life after death, then the worst thing that can happen to anybody is for them to die but if you believe in life after death you realize that death is not the worst thing that can happen and so the lord is saying you know don't don't uh, w- regardless of what man can do he can't do anything that i can't resolve and so <clears throat> he's giving his people this encouragement if we drop down to verse 12 it says i i am the one who comforts you don't worry about man. I am the one who comforts you. And then he, he, he poses an interesting statement. He says, who are you that you should fear humans who die? See, the Lord is everlasting. He does not die. And so he, he, he's, he's questioning his people. He says, who are you or why do you fear other humans? They can die. Don't fear them. You know, I can grant you everlasting life. They die. Why are you fearful of them? He says, uh, who are you that you should fear humans who die or a son of man who is given up like grass? And so he's questioning the people, essentially what their belief system is. What do you believe in verse 13? And then he says this, he says, but you have forgotten the Lord, your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. See, you've forgotten who I am. You have become fearful of man and what man can do to you, but you've forgotten who I am. See, I've stretched out the heavens. I laid the foundation of the earth. I'm the creator of all things. You know, I am the creator of those that you fear. Why are you afraid of them? An interesting question. Let's go down to verse 21. And we see... He says, so listen to this, suffering and drunken one, but not with wine. So he's saying, listen to this, those who are stumbling around and stumbling through life, not from being inebriated or drunk, but because uh, you're going through life, not understanding everything. So he says, so listen up. He says, this is what your Lord says. The Lord, even your God, who defends his people, look, I have removed from your hand the the cup that causes you to stagger, the goblet... The cup of my fury he says, look, I have removed from you. I have moved removed from your hand the cup that I've essentially given to you, the cup of my fury. Now, why have you why do you have the cup of my fury? Because you angered me, basically, <laughs> you know, you have the cup of my fury because of your iniquity, because of your wickedness, because of your sin because you, you know, I gave you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to turn away and you, and you never did. And so I had to bring down on you calamity and tragedy, uh, discomfort, suffering, and whatnot. But he says this. He says, I have removed from you the cup of my fury and you will never drink it again. See, so the Lord is talking specifically to his people Israel. And uh, after this series, and series of different evil kings and and, and, and behavior uh, uh, that wasn't becoming of the Lord and them turning to idols and them worshiping what, what the other peoples worshiped and and uh, falling into their culture and, and doing all of this stuff and uh, all the while turning their backs on him. He says, okay, I punish you now. I'm gonna remove this goblet of fury from your hand and you will never drink it again. He says in verse 23, he says, I will put it into the hands of your tormentors. And so I'm going to take my cup of fury from you and I'm going to give it to your enemies. I'm going to give it to your oppressors. See, and so I'm demonstrating my righteousness, my goodness and my justice here. See, so you have uh, been under my thumb with regard to punishment because of your behavior and your sin. Uh, but there was sinning done against you so now now that you have uh, atoned for your sins if you will i'm going to take this cup for you from you and i'm gonna give it to your oppressors <clears throat> let's go on to verse 52 and we're going to skip down here to verse 13 in the section title here is the servant's suffering and exaltation now From here until the end of chapter 53, I'm going to end up covering basically every verse here. This is critical. This is critical to understanding Jesus. I highly, 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 highly recommend and advise you go and you read this thoroughly on your own. It's not that long, but it's very important to take into, to absorb. Extremely important. Matter of fact, there are probably some other sections in the word that are as important and whatnot, um, but I don't know that there's any other section that's more important than here, but as important. <clears throat> so this is verse 13 the, suf- the servant's suffering and exaltation. It says, See, my servant will be successful, he will be raised and lifted up. And greatly exalted again this is Isaiah prophesying what the what the Lord has told him to prophesy to the people and so he's telling the people see that the Lord is saying see I have a servant and he will be successful he will be raised and lifted up and greatly exalted in verse 14 just as many were appalled at you his appearance was so disfigured that he did not look like a man And his form did not resemble a human being. So we're talking about a man who was so disfigured that he didn't look like a man. And his form was so torn that he did not resemble a human being. Now think about that. Think of the physical trauma that you have to go through in order to not resemble what you are both in, in, in gender and in species think of what you would have to go through physically in order to get there <clears throat> in chapter 53 this continues let's go to verse 2 it says he didn't have an impressive form or majesty that we should look at him no appearance that he should desire that we should desire him in other words just from from looking at him there was nothing impressive about the dude. A matter of fact, <clears throat> nothing that we would desire. We'd probably want to you know, ignore or maybe even look away from him. You know, that's how undesirable uh, physically he was. It says in verse 3, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. See, a man of suffering, and many times that word "new" means like an intimate knowledge, very close to. A man of suffering who knew very well what sickness was through experience. You know. <clears throat> he was like someone people turned away from. People didn't even want to look at him. He was despised, and we didn't value him. So think about sometimes you see people on the street, right? I remember the first time I went to New York City when I was in college, and uh, I couldn't walk down the street without seeing several people, not just a few, uh, leaning up against buildings, laying down on the sidewalk, some sleeping, some not. You know, you didn't even didn't even wanna look at him. You just wanted to ignore him like it didn't exist. It's the same thing here. He was despised and we didn't value him. In verse uh, four, It says, yet he himself bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains. Why was he so intimately familiar with sickness? Because he bore our sicknesses, he carried them. The illnesses, the pains associated with those illnesses, he carried them. It says, but we in turn regarded him stricken. And so he was carrying our sicknesses and our illnesses and our pains but we didn't recognize that. The people didn't recognize that. It says, but we in turn regarded him stricken. We just thought that he was sick and ill. And whatnot. night didn't associate he was in this condition because he was carrying our sicknesses and bearing our illnesses. It says struck down by God and afflicted but we in turn regarded him stricken struck down by God and afflicted so we thought that you know this was the, this was God doing this to him well actually it was because he was assigned to take on our sicknesses and illnesses and pains and afflictions it says in verse 5 but he was pierced because of our rebellion crushed because of our iniqu- iniquities punishment for our peace was on him and we are healed by his wounds he says, but the reason he was in this condition is because he was pierced. He was you know, stabbed and Jesus was stabbed on the cross in his side because of our rebelliousness. See, it wasn't just d- done because he was him. It was done because of our rebellion. That's why he was stuck. And it says, uh, crushed because of our iniquities. You know, he was crushed in his humanness because of our sin. Imagine bearing the sin of all the people. Punishment for our peace was on him. In order that we may have peace, he took on our sins so that we could be eligible for peace. And it says, and we are healed by his wounds. In other words, we are healed of our iniquities. We are healed of our sins. We are healed of our physical ailments and whatnot because he took them for us. a lot of times people want to hold on to that stuff for themselves but the word says that Jesus, if you let him, he took that on and he'll take that on for you. Verse 6, it says, We all went astray like sheep, we all have turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. We have decided to do our thing to do what we want to do, so God decided to punish Jesus because we decided that we wanted to do our own thing. See, man cannot stand; uh, a, a sinful man cannot stand in the presence of a holy God. And so for a man to become sinless, then something has to happen to that sin. See, in the Old Testament times, they would make sacrifices and offerings, and, uh, but they were not everlasting. They would atone for the sin at that moment, but you go out and sin again, you had to come back and make more sacrifices, more offerings. But Jesus, it was the eternal sacrifice. So he could take on our sins now and in the future, and therefore we become eligible to stand in the presence of a holy God, because now we are sinless. And it says, and the Lord has punished him for the inequity of us all. So the Lord punished his son, Jesus, because of all that we have done. He took on everything it's a a substitutionary sacrifice verse 7 he was oppressed and afflicted but he did not open his mouth so when he was being carried to the cross they were spitting at him, hitting him, calling him all kind of names he said nothing he said like a lamb led to the slaughter and like a sheep silent before her shears he did not open his mouth he just took it verse 8 he was taken away because of oppression and judgment. And who considered his fate? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. Again, pointing out why he was struck, why he was afflicted. Verse 9 He was assigned a grave with the wicked. But. He was with a rich man at his death. And so remember, Joseph came along and took the body. Joseph was a Pharisee, if I recall correctly, who was a believer in Jesus, a silent believer in Jesus. Joseph was also wealthy. And so we see here that Isaiah is making a prophecy 700 some odd years out that did come to pass. So this is <laughs> this is showing you the authenticity and the, um, the power and uh, the accuracy of the prophetic word as presented in the Bible, see? Because again, Isaiah is is way, like I said, 700 some odd years before this takes place, he's prophesying what was gonna happen, and it happened. Because he had done no violence and had uh, had not spoken deceitfully, let me read that again. He was assigned the grave with the wicked, but he was with a rich man at his death because he had done no violence and had not spoken deceitfully. This was a pure man, this was, a, this was a, um, a just man, this was a righteous man. And he was beaten down and whatnot because of us. Because he did nothing but tell the truth. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees couldn't handle the truth. And so they wanted him killed and executed. And all he was doing was taking on the sins of the people. In verse 10, it says, Yet the Lord was pleased to crush him severely. Wow, that sounds harsh. Why was the Lord pleased to crush him severely? It says, When you make him a guilt offering, he will see his seed, he will prolong his days, and by his hand, the Lord's pleasure will be accomplished. What does that mean? It means that <clears throat> it says, The Lord was pleased because he took on the sins, the afflictions, and whatnot of the people. This indicates, this shows you how valuable we are to the Lord, how valuable we are to God, because God wanted his people set free, God did not want his people suffering, so he sent a substitutionary sacrifice in Jesus to take on the ills and the pains and the sins of the world so that our people could become eligible, or to say so his people could become eligible in order to stand in his presence. And so the Lord was pleased to crush him severely because in crushing him severely, that meant that the people would now be unburdened. When you make him a guilt offering, so Jesus was made a sin offering, a part of a sin offering is a guilt offering. Uh, He will see his seed, he will prolong his days, and by his hand the Lord's pleasure will be accomplished. So by this plan, God's will will be done. Then it says in verse eleven, after His anguish, after Jesus's anguish, this to me, I just you know noticed this when I was preparing for this. And I was like, wow, I can't believe that I've skipped over this before. After His anguish, what this means is after His death on the cross, after His, after Jesus's anguish. After the Lord allowed him to go on the cross and suffer a painful, humiliating death, after his anguish, it says, we will see light and be, or he will see light and be satisfied. See, after his anguish, after he, after he dies, descends into hell for for three days, and then he's resurrected and risen, it says he will see light. So this means after his death, after his anguish, he will see light. He will be risen and be satisfied by his knowledge my righteous servant will justify many and he will carry their iniquities see so and so jesus has the wherewithal and the power to atone for sin at the present day and into the future which covers us verse 12 therefore i will give him as many I, therefore, I will give him the many as a portion. See, we are a part of the many. We are Jesus's portion. See, his portion is us. <laughs> his portion is us. Therefore, I will give him the many as a portion, and he will receive the mighty as a spoil. See, he will he will receive those who are high, and and haughty, and full of themselves as a spoil as a spoil of war. You know he. <laughs> You know, essentially as a sacrifice, he'll receive receive us as a portion, but for those who don't acknowledge him, there will be a spoil. Because he willingly submitted to death and was counted among the rebels, yet he bore the sin of many and interceded for the rebels. Even the rebels have the opportunity to turn and to come to Jesus. And so chapter 53 is critical, it is absolutely critical. Um, I mean there's nothing, there's really nothing else I can say about how how strongly I feel that you should read chapter 53 to get a real sense of what was done at the cross and how Isaiah prophesied this 700 plus years before it took place. See, So a lot of times people are looking for evidence of proof of the Bible. And this is a part of that evidence. This is a man 700 years out prophesying what's going to happen. And what happens is exactly as it was written. And with that, we are going to conclude for the day, and we're going to pick it up in chapter 54 tomorrow. Everybody take care and have a blessed day. Bye-bye.